You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from denverstiffs.com, Adam Mottes. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mottes from denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And be sure to check out the previous two episodes. Have a, uh, a couple of really good uh, episodes going in-depth about Michael Porter Jr., Jared Vanderbilt, Thomas Welsh, and the whole situation now surrounding the, the new-look Denver Nuggets. I think they're I think things kind of changed for them a little bit, or at least in theory changed for them a little bit, uh, and the dynamic changed. But to explore that topic even further, I brought on the great Nate Duncan, host of the Dunked On Basketball Co- Podcast. Nate, how you doing? What's up, man? Good to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to have you um, because I know that you've seen him. So so where have you seen Michael Porter Jr.? Every Everybody I talk to has seen him like one game or two games here or there. Where have you seen him play? Yeah, so I was at the Hoop Summit in 2017, and so that was basically, there was the game, and then also three practices before that. So that was uh, enlightening, I thought. One of the interesting things about being able to see those practices, number one, you see him go up against the guys in his class, get to see some work habits. Right. Also get You also get to see kind of a game setting in they play against what I call the Portland generals where uh, <laughs> some of the, they bring in some local Pacific Northwest players who might play at like, you know, Portland state or uh, th- this year they had a guy who's going to USC who, who was really good that they brought in from Seattle to play against. So it's actually like a game type of setting there as well. And then of course there's the hoop summit game in addition to that. So I was, uh, extremely impressed in that scrimmage i've been going to the hoop summit since 2014 he had the most impressive scrimmage of any usa player that i've seen and i was really just blown away by how good he was uh, at 610 with the people have talked about him as a great shooter you know i haven't seen that quite yet just at least in person you know he supposedly shot the ball well at the workout that he had um but has the ability to grab and go, uh, really explosive off of one or two feet. You're going to be an unbelievable transition player. Yeah, uh, can can shoot the ball off the bounce. I mean, we were thinking about what is his comparable back then, and you know he was scoffed at for saying, "Oh, you know, I'm in the same conversation as guys like Kevin Durant," and you know he mentioned a couple of other right, uh, a couple of other great Giannis, wings, but T Mac, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the T-Mac comparison is kind of an interesting one, although, you know, Porter is not, I don't think, anywhere close to the defender. doesn't have the type of length uh, activity level necessarily to to be a good defensive player. Certainly anytime soon, maybe he can get there, but uh, doesn't quite have that mentality. But, I mean, you know, as a 6'10", 6'11", guy with this type of skill level, uh, you know, I didn't think that those KD comparisons – He'll, he'll never be that type of scorer or shooter. You know, I mean, no yeah. one is ever going to be like that at that size. But I didn't think that those comparisons were like totally ridiculous by any means. He's so tall, and I like his shot looks smooth. And you mentioned being able just to shoot it on the move. That's the thing that I think really separates him. Is you, there's a lot of guys that are tall and can do that catch and shoot, or maybe shuffling their feet and can set themselves. But he seems to be able to like really get his shot up at almost any angle, and 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 has a lot of like. 
not great dribble moves to get by his defender, but just to kind of get to his spot on the court and rise above his defender. Yeah, he likes to go right pretty much all the time. Uh, but yeah, can get to a spot, pull up, works in the post as well, can go over either shoulder in the post. And then, you know, not a guy who passed a ton, right? but has shown some flashes of passing vision, I thought, when I saw him at the Hoop Summit. So that's a part of his game that I don't think is going to be maybe not a strength, but he's not just a total non-passer. Right. Um, I want to save all of the intangible stuff like his his reputation as a teammate and his back injury for a second and just talk about the basketball stuff for a second. But I saw that you mentioned him being an awful fit in Denver um, on Twitter. What what was your thinking behind that? Was it basketball stuff or was it other stuff? No, it was mostly basketball stuff. I try to – I'm not someone who's doing a lot of background work, yeah. talking to a lot of people. I don't have access to the medicals. I generally just try to keep it to what I see on film, what I've seen with my own eyes on the court. You know, I mean, obviously if you see a guy who's just like constantly complaining to his teammates or something, I didn't, didn't, I didn't get the impression. I mean, people have talked about Porter as like, Oh, this guy is kind of in his own world and just wants to score 20 and might not be as much of a winner. I didn't sense that from him when I saw him at the hoop summit, but that's kind of been what the background has been on him. But from a basketball standpoint, you and I have talked many times about how what this team needs in the future is someone who can be a stout defensive player yeah. on the wing. They've got Jokic, they've got Murray, Harris is solid defensively, but not you know an absolute game changer. And so with Murray and Jokic, you're really you got to get some more defense on this team, and you're probably always going to have a good offense with those two guys. Uh, and Porter really, to me, is not going to profile as a great defensive player. Maybe you could get there, but it just it sounds like it's going to take a total attitude adjustment yeah. for him. And, and But maybe the th- if he ends up being the four, which is, makes a little bit more sense to me, then you, know, you can bring in another guy like that. But still, I mean, a Porter-Jokic defensive frontcourt is not amazing. But if this guy hits his ceiling offensively and kind of the one thing that they don't really have is a guy who can really get his own shot in mismatches as well. I mean, this could be one of, one of the best offensive teams of all time if he hits his ceiling, but you're probably just going to have to accept the reality that you're never going (laughs) to stop anybody. Which I've, you know, Denver winning a championship is such an unreasonable thing for me anyway, just, (laughs) just all the things that have to break. Right. So for me thinking, you know what, if I, I know defense wins championships and all these different things, but Denver's best shot, I think, oftentimes with the altitude and with all of those things is can they just become this super dynamic offense? And m- maybe he's a guy, again, there's just so many question marks with him because I everything I hear about him and the style of play, you know, m- he's going to have to change mentally a little bit. But he has the scoring touch that if he was your three or even your four, and he's a one-on-one guy who can also shoot the three and cut and all these things, you know, yeah, he could make Denver the best offense in the league in three or four or five years or whatever it is. And I, I think he does has more potential to me as a secondary rim protector defensively right. than he does actually moving his feet, guarding out of the perimeter. He's going to have to get a lot stronger, too, if he's going to be a yeah. full-time four. I think either way he probably will have to improve because that's one of the things I see in every scouting video and then also in just the highlights of some of the EYBL stuff is he's – it's not that – 
I don't know if it's that he's not strong. I think he's not strong, but a lot of tall, skinny guys like that, they grow physically later on. But he also just seems to hate any type of contact. I mean, he, he really avoids contact defensively. Yeah, no, I think that it's – we'll see how his body fills out and if he's asked to play a role and how he can do that. I mean, I guess you know, the other reason why you might say it's not a great fit for him is – if he has this idea that he really needs to be the man in the score, you know, they've already got Jamal Murray. They've already got Jokic. They presumably are going to have some other scores there. He's got to fit into a team that's already winning. You know, he's not going to have the ability to just go shoot a bunch of shots uh, on a bad team. He really is going to have to fit in. So maybe this will be good for his career right. in, in that sense, but there is a chance that it just could totally bust entirely here. Right. Right. I think, I think so. And Denver, I think though is uniquely, situated to handle that aspect of him i think there's other areas you know where i wonder um obviously yusef nurkic another guy that was known as someone who thought very highly of himself and 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 was tough that that obviously didn't go well for denver they've also had issues with injury prone players and the whole gallo situation where he got bad advice and then it cost him a year so so i do have some questions about the fit in that aspect but i do think just in a patient standpoint i don't expect him to play next year we haven't heard anything yet but from every everybody that's texted and called me from around the league over the last two days has basically said they view him as like a a red shirt kind of guy that would that would be crazy if he just doesn't play at all i mean that's like okay i could understand i mean we're in june right now right i mean he's already six months out from this surgery so he can't just rehab for another six months and he's still not going to be right i mean i I don't think this is going to be a ben simmons oh let's just have him wait so he can be eligible for rookie of the year and get a (laughs) bonus in his shoe contract type of thing uh maybe that that could play into it. Is he's is he one of the guys who went with Puma? I forget. I can't remember either actually now that I think yeah. but I think he did. I looked that up. I think he did go with Puma. Um which is kind of an interesting old little side topic that we'll avoid. But um but yeah, so I think but for me Yeah, he did. He did. I just looked it up. So whether or not he he misses a whole year or whether he just doesn't go through training camp or whatever. For me, I just think Denver playing it slow. There's a lot of positives that come from that. One, you mentioned the offense. Denver, I think, has one of the more unselfish teams. You know, when they're playing their best, they're the ball's moving. And they're, they were a top five offense two years ago. I think they were number six last year. Um, I think just having him sort of observe the style, because Denver's a unique team. They play a unique brand of basketball. Having him kind of observe that for a month or two and, and and trying to figure out where he belongs and where he fits in could be a real positive for him. Yeah, I hope so. I think it, and it's it could again be kind of humbling for him to be on the bench to see how this team does next year, especially if they make the playoffs and then he's going to come in. But you definitely applaud the organization for taking the longer term view. I mean, how many of these guys are going to come in as rookies and really contribute anyway to a team right. with the aspirations that Denver has? So. Why not uh, just take a guy with this level of talent and he is someone who could be the third star on this team in theory. And I thought Gavoni did some research on what has come out of the number 14 pick lately. And it's so bad that it's like, all right, is there really that much (laughs) risk here? You know, I, I thought there were some players available to be sure. What did you make of... Did you happen to listen to Woj's pod 
yeah. with Gavoni yesterday, where they're talking about the Nuggets trying to like trade right back in to the draft to get Zaire Smith. I thought that was really interesting. He's a Malone type guy, I think, um, who just is going to give a hundred percent all the time, defensive minded, and stays in his lane on offense. I think, I think Malone would have really liked to have had him. I think Michael Porter Jr. might be the opposite of a Malone guy in some ways. But um, yeah. But well, yeah. Uh, he might be around a little longer than Malone too. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, so, so, uh, but I think it was interesting that they were trying to add another piece because for me, I was surprised they drafted three players this year. I thought for certain they were going to either take one player or or you know those two second rounders were going to turn into cash or, or or be a part of a trade so the fact that they took three guys already being short on roster spots and this is a good segue into to, to the other topics here but I, I was surprised by that and then trying to add another player the only deals I could have thought of would have been not if Denver was trying to get off of a future first but if they were trying to get off of some of the players some of the prospects that maybe teams still have a little bit of hope in, like Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, maybe even Trey Lyles. Um, so I was so I was surprised that they tried to add, but I was also su- surprised that they took three players. Were you surprised by that? Um, you know, I I hadn't quite considered that. I think Welsh in particular, number one, I just am not a believer in his game as any yeah. kind of hope of really being an NBA rotation player. Yeah. Number one, he does does have that soft touch, but he's just so slow and so <laughs> so unathletic. So it could be one of these things uh, where he just goes and plays in the G League for a year. You know that maybe right. they had that agreement beforehand. I don't know if you've heard anything about that, but at, at number fifty seven, it just seems like that's yeah. Could be he's almost certainly a two way guy. I mean, and and, yeah. and not a real factor. But Vanderbilt, who I really like. Um, you know, becomes the eighth yes. power forward on the roster or something like that. And I like him maybe as much as any of the other, like Lyles, Leiden, and Wancho are the guys you look at compared to him. And I might like Vanderbilt better, just his skill set is so different from those guys. And I like what, what he brings to the table. Yeah, I've compared him a little bit in terms of his game to Jeremy Grant. Uh, I think he's yeah. got more shooting potential than Grant, maybe a more ability to do stuff off, off the bounce. But he does just pop off the screen with that athleticism with how hard he plays and yeah that's that is uh, especially if he can make a three ball on occasion another guy who really can get out in transition uh, had an injury plagued year this year at Kentucky but another guy who who I think really did well at uh, the hoop summit two years ago or or I right. should say yeah in 2017 I, I liked him a lot in the practices and just stuck out with his energy with his rebounding, so certainly fits into the archetype of a player who might work out. And supposedly Houston had promised him uh, back at, I think it was 46, and so that's always a good sign (laughs) if you draft someone that Houston had targeted. I think Denver has, you know, obviously, I, I think a good scouting department. Tim Conley, I think, is a is a natural scout, and he's he's done well in the draft. But they also have Lane Vashro in who. Everybody I talk to at Sloan in different places says is one of the premier, if not the premier, draft modelers. So I think that also for second round talents like that is is a real uh, resource for for the front office, especially for guys like that. I know he was really high on him, but you br- you brought up uh, Jeremy Grant. I think offensively he's more dynamic than Kenneth Fareed. But two years in a row now, Jokic has had his best two man net pairing and offensive pairing with Kenneth Fareed as his running mate, and I think. 
I've written about this a lot. I've talked about it a lot. I think there's a reason for that. He's an excellent dunker spot guy, and he has that dunker spot gravity. I think Vanderbilt can be similar to that with with significantly better defense. Um, do you kind of see that, the, the, the dunker spot, just his ability to kind of jump off of two feet really quickly and pull defenders down down in that zone? Yeah, and just to make effort plays, too, on, on the offensive and defensive glass. I think right. also they – that Jokic is a, a solid rebounder, but also you know not a guy who's going to just go and get a lot of loose rebounds yeah. with speed. That's something that Vanderbilt could do. And of course, the shot—he's a lefty, puts a lot of arc on his shot. Is very inconsistent <laughs> yeah. when I saw him, but a guy who at least has been willing to take those shots at the lower level. So maybe you think there's some reason to believe that it could go in for him eventually, and and that would be a big make or break of whether. You know, he might have starter upside or whether yeah. he'll fit into being an energy guy. And, I mean, we'll be realistic. He's drafted in the second round, so the odds are that he never really makes an impact. But uh, certainly one of the second-round picks that I was highest on this year. Yeah, for sure. Let me ask you about Will Barton, because I think Denver needs Will Barton next season, but I'm not sure they need him after that. I certainly don't know that they need him three or four years from now, but he's probably in line for a longer-term contract. What do you, first of all, what do you think about him as a player, and what do you think of him as a player that Denver needs? Uh, you know, his, if he could just defend a little bit better, you would like him a little more if he had a little bit more heft but they played him a lot at the three and I know they had some success with that lineup in the regular season but yeah. really again they need more of a conventional three who, who can play a little bit more defense his, his shot comes and goes he, he's definitely someone who plays well with the ball in his hands and they do need another player like that because really if they lose him uh, maybe Gary Harris can become more of a pick and roll threat but it probably isn't there yet right. at that point in his career. So they certainly could use him next year. It's just the tax concerns are, are so massive right now. And <laughs> you, you would love for them to be able to say, hey, you know what, Will, you don't really have that many offers available. How about we give you you know, a, a one-year deal for $17 million this year and you can get back onto the market next year. Right. But they can't afford to do that right. this year. And it, it's – Really, I thought that Barton erred quite a bit in turning down that four-year, $40 million extension offer, which is the most they could have offered at the time last fall. And it's just hard for me to see where he's going to get that amount of money, even if there will be demand for his services, because really on the free agent market this year, you've got Barton, you've got Tyreek Evans, maybe Rudy Gay, Dwayne Wade probably isn't going to want to go anywhere else. So right. Jamal Crawford. So you've really only got three or four of these guys who are capable of creating offense off the bench or maybe even being a starter as well. And there are so many teams that need scoring off the bench. So there would be a market for his services, but nobody has any money. So it's going to be full mid-level exception maybe, and not even that many teams have that. I think the re one of the reasons I like Barton, I think the more finishers you put around Jokic, the better. And I think he's a good finisher. Um, you know, spot up shooter. He can get to the rim and finish with, with finesse and with, and with, you know, above the rim. So I, I like his fit. And then on top of that, you know, Jokic is 
I think he, he's just a his English isn't great, and, and he's he's got a little bit of that like foreign exchange student vibe to him, in that he's not isolated from the team. But I think Barton is among his closest friends, and Barton's a guy that's like his biggest fan, and so I. I I I would like to see another year, especially because I don't think Jokic fully took over this team this last year. It kind of towards the end he did, but I think that's part of what will define this next season is is the first season he's walking into being the man. So I would like to see Barton there for as much as locker room support and teammate support because he's his biggest his his biggest uh, supporter. Um, what do you think his value is on the open market? Now you kind of alluded to how many teams would would give him, but what kind of deal? What kind of offers will he get from other teams? And who do you think? are the teams that are most likely to reach out to him? Well, it's a, we talked about that mid-level exception starts at $8.6 yeah. million. And so if you were to get the maximum contract there, it would be for four years and $36.8 million. So again, less oh, than yeah. he could have gotten in those extension talks. Uh, let's just go through the teams that have cap space and you tell me whether you think they'd be interested in him or not, right? Atlanta, $22 million in space, doesn't really seem no, yeah. like a fit there. They're, they're in rebuilding mode. Yeah. Chicago, they got Zach Levine already. Not interested. Yeah. Dallas, uh, you know, probably not someone who's a long-term fit there. Maybe they could use him, but it still doesn't seem very likely right. to me. Doesn't seem like a fit, nope. Indiana might be a slight possibility, That's but a they have bigger circled. needs. Yeah, they, they have bigger needs. Uh, the Lakers, if they were to strike out, maybe they could be one of those big one-year deal right. destinations. That could be a possibility, but uh, what about Philly could Philly, maybe yeah. use them, uh, but we'll see. Again, I don't know if he they seem more likely to want to just re-sign J.J. Redick and maybe roll over their cap space to 2019 if they can't get one of the big fish. He doesn't – because if you're one of these teams that really has, like, huge fish to fry in the future, 27-year-old Will Barton paying him <laughs> over $10 million a year for four years just doesn't seem – he's not going to move the needle for your your destiny as a franchise if you're really trying to get deep into the playoffs, I don't feel. I think Indiana, Los Angeles, and Philly are all candidates for what that that one year overpay. Um, and I could see Will Barton as being the type of guy that's all about that because he's all about betting on himself and and these things. So taking a big year and one you know, but only one year of it seems kind of like something he would try. What about Denver? What would you offer him? Let's forget about Fareed and shedding salaries for a second. But just what do you oh, think? Th- his... There is one more actually I might consider, and that's uh, Utah. Oh man, uh, which which <laughs> could a... need. Uh, it depends where they're at. If they lose Derek Favors, they they might be trying to. They're probably looking more for a stretch four first, a backup center first. Yeah, but they could have about twelve million in space, so that could be a possibility. I don't, uh, they again, that may not be the one year offer right. type of thing. They're another team that I don't think is going to want to compromise long term flexibility for Will Barton. But yeah, if you're saying like, I mean, if you want to. If it were just a normal year, you know, let's say it's not 2016 because you have just a crap load of space there. You know, it's not 2018 because there's no space. But if it's, you know, a normal year, a 2017, a 2019, yeah, then you could see Barton as a guy, a lower-end starter, maybe more of a bench guy on a good team to his de- to his defensive limitations and needing the ball. You could see him being an 11 or $12 million a year player mm-hmm. under the right circumstances in the right market. But... So 
I would have thought from Denver's perspective, especially with it such a bad market this year, I was really actually surprised they offered him as much as that uh, that extension in the four years over forty million. Yeah, uh, I didn't think he had anywhere else to get that. I was very surprised that he didn't take that. <laughs> uh, so, you know, if I were going to make an offer as Denver now, I mean, they also have these tax concerns, right? So, they're if we go back to that, that. Um, you know, in a vacuum, again, I, if I could get him for the full mid-level at 27, I think that would be fine. But can they afford that? If they max out Jokic, which is coming, or at least close to it, you're now $13.8 million over the tax, and you've got a tax payment of $25.7 million. In addition to that, total team salary plus tax, $161 million. I don't know about you, I don't see them paying that. And so unless they can get off of more money, and so now if you're Denver, not only are you going to have to pay Will Barton a market contract that, you know, generally market contracts for free agents are, aren't great values going forward. Right. Now you also have to give up an asset to clear more money just so you can fit him in. Right. And then they also could have, uh, as of now, a fair amount of cap space next summer. So, you know, what's the opportunity cost there? It, it just it's so hard for me to construct a scenario in which he returns. Do you think Denver is a playoff team? I know it's hard to tell because some players might be coming west and that changes everything. But what are the odds Denver is a playoff team if they don't resign Will Barton? Because he was a big part of their team this year. Yeah, he he was. And I think much depends on Gary Harris. Can he play on his own as one of the primary pick and roll guys. That's one of the hopes was that he could do more of that. He hasn't been asked to do that as much. Can he do that off the bench? And then they would need Malik Beasley to step in as well. Porter obviously is unlikely to contribute this year. They would need a bounce back year for Wilson Chandler. I don't think it's totally impossible and maybe We'll see. Maybe they could get off of some money and and they could get a smaller free agent contract and find someone who would help them as a kind of a proto Will Barton role in a a shorter term deal for, you know, three million a year or something like that. That could be possible, I suppose. Yeah. Um, So now with Kenneth Reed, what what do you think? I guess I'll just ask you first and foremost what you think it'll cost to get off of Fareed's money like which assets of the nuggets do you think are most likely to be demanded yeah well that's interesting we go back again there's going to be a lot of teams that are trying to get off of money and i don't know how to value that market yet right if you look at atlanta yeah. chicago dallas the the move that they made giving up their 2019 pick they're probably not going to be in the taking on bad money market now it's possible maybe the Lakers could be if they strike out on everyone. Uh, Philly certainly won't be. Phoenix uh, apparently has a mandate to get better this year, so I'm not sure that, that they would be in that market. Sacramento should be in that market for sure, but they don't have their draft pick in 2019, so they might not be either. So you're really looking at maybe, is it just Atlanta and Chicago? It could be that. You know, yeah. that that's it as far as taking on bad money. And there are so many teams – Milwaukee, Washington, Detroit, yeah. all of the Charlotte still could use a little more breathing space. Although they got some in that that Howard Mozgov trade, there's so many teams still 
that are are looking for it. Also, Brooklyn will have some space probably once the Howard buyout is complete. So maybe there could be a deal where they're able to flip someone who makes, you know, in the five or six million range and help Denver reduce their costs a little bit. But if you're just going to say in general, time was back maybe five years ago, it costs about a, a late first round pick for every $10 million in bad salary. Mm. Mm. I would say Farid at this point, you know, maybe he's a three or $4 million player, the way he's languished on the bench. You know, that, that might be, he might get that in free agency, maybe even less than that. So if you want to look at him as 10 to $11 million of dead money, he's in a tough range because we saw, for example, two second round picks for Jose Calderon, who was making $8 million. Uh, we saw two second round picks to take on an extra nine million or so in bad money, as far as uh, with Timofey Mozgov over Dwight Howard. Jared Bayless is another guy who's going to be in that range, making about eight million this year. Could he go for two second round picks or or a prospect? Fareed's like a little higher than that. He's not really high enough where it would make sense to give up a first. Perhaps there could be. It could be a future first that has like all kinds of protections on it, like it's top twenty protected or something. Right. Maybe that could could work, uh, and then it would convert into two seconds if you know. And it, there could be a short time horizon on it too. You know, maybe just like a two year time horizon. Yeah. And so if the Nuggets just aren't that good, then it ends up being two seconds. And then if they're not that good, those seconds are more valuable. Right. For the receiving team, and then I'm not really sure what the value is of a Malik Beasley or. Juancho Hernan Gomez are on the league. I like those guys probably more than the league does. Certainly, Juancho was a guy who looked like he could be a future starter a year ago and is really a distressed asset now after a lost year yeah. last season. So, you know, maybe a second rounder plus one of those guys. Would you rather have two seconds or Juancho? I'd rather have Juancho. The rest of the league might rather have two seconds. But that's probably in the range we're talking about. Uh, but I think Nuggets fans should be happy that at least they didn't give up number 14 to get off of him. Definitely. And I don't know how realistic of a scenario that was. Everybody I talked to it, at least yeah. denied it to maybe, me. Maybe so. Arthur, like I was thinking it could maybe be Arthur and Fareed. Yeah. Uh, that like could have been about the value there for 14, but there's still what team is going to have the ability to just take on 20 million straight without <laughs> sending anything back yeah i i know you're lower on farid i think farid was he's a flawed player and he's certainly not worth 13 million or 12.8 whatever it is that he's this yeah. year but to me he's not he's not the type of guy that you no. that's on your he, roster he should be sets. in a rotation yeah he, he should be in play. a rotation especially for a rebuilding team he's that guy that just does the things that you know you're you need guards that can learn how to play pick and roll so you have a guy that can is a great pick and roll finisher so he gives you an example an opportunity to work with your young young players so he's kind of difficult though isn't he you know i always hear this and i think he's difficult from like with a coaching staff but i actually think he's a better teammate than than he gets credit for just in terms of for one he's not gone public with anything he hasn't been in the rotation all season he has not gone public even when people have pride you know talked to him and not really tried to get him to say something controversial but have at least given him the opportunity to and then on top of that you know that his teammates seem to really really like him especially the younger players um 
he's very supportive and things like that after games and stuff. So I do think he's a problem and there's a lot of stuff that probably doesn't see it to light, but he's not like Yusuf Nurkic who, who yeah. was looking for opportunities to be a distraction. So, um, and I think if he got traded, especially to Atlanta, a city he loves, um, you know, that he's a player that I think for one year would not cause any issues. Um, Malik Beasley's also from Atlanta, which I don't know if that moves the needle at all. Maybe obviously it's a tiny little detail, but, um, that could be a young player that bringing him home. Maybe there's some intrigue there. Uh, lastly, I'm going to ask you about Nikola Jokic's negotiations and just, I know Denver's, I think more than willing to pay him the max, but how, how will those talks go just in terms of the structure of them in, in your opinion? Yeah, actually we're preparing for our mock off season episode, which might be out even by the time that this is released. Yeah. But when we were talking about him, Kevin Pelton was like, all right, should we just assume he gets the max? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I'm not sh- quite so sure because, and, and we've already heard a little bit of saber rattling from his agent of, Hey, they better decline this team option. And uh, I think there'd be fools <laughs> not to do that, obviously, but maybe if you're Denver, you can at least try to extract some kind of a concession there of, all right, we're not going to have to pay just the absolute dead bang max. If we let you out and you are a restricted free agent now, they don't want to take the risk by any means of him getting into restricted free agency and signing a three plus one somewhere. Right. Yep. That that would be a disaster for them. They want to get him for five years. The Gordon Hayward, in other words, that's what happened with Gordon Hayward. Right. Yeah. And this would be even worse because it's after his third year instead of his his fourth. Right. And, And then not only that, but you've also pissed him off and don't believe that Gordon Hayward didn't remember that three years later <laughs> right. when he opted out in Utah. So there is, I th- my prediction is they will get some tiny concession, whether it's just maybe a little bit less than the max. And there's a precedent for that with Giannis's extension, yeah. uh, Rudy Gobert, for example, or, you know, maybe at least he doesn't get a player option or, or they can use the fact a that he's restricted and B that they have the team option to just get like a little something. I don't think they want to go too far with that. Right. To piss him off. And he clearly is a max player. He's well worth it. Only going to get better in theory. Stays pretty healthy as well, despite kind of having that dad bod. <laughs> yeah. I so think, I think Denver is is not going to rock the boat by any means but i do think they're going to present as you mentioned some of these minor concessions that hey this we can do if you do this we can do this with the roster um and you know like i said will barton is a close is one of his closest friends on the team so maybe it's one of those things like hey man this will help us to be able to keep barton this season if you do this and maybe he throws him a little bone but but if he says no, if or if his agent more, more more to the point, if his agent says no, I don't think Denver's going to play hardball or, or or do anything crazy. I think they'll say, okay, we tried, but you know we'll do whatever it takes just to keep you around. That's my prediction. Um, anything else on the Nuggets that you think you you have an opinion on that you'd like to share? Well, I wanted to ask you just what you think their appetite for the taxes. Uh, what I have heard in conversations with the organization is. Well, yeah, you know, we could pay the tax. This is only one year right. that will will be in the tax. Okay, I could believe it being like you know Washington level six million over the tax. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're going to be. 
I, I think they're going to do whatever they have to to get off of Fareed, and I think the rest of the league knows that. That's that's part of why I think this is going to be a tough offseason for Tim Conley. For one, if I have two big criticisms about him, one is that the Kenneth Fareed contract was an overpay the day they, they signed it. In fact, it was an overpay the league had to tell him was illegal. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, no, no, no. He, he was really good on uh, on Team USA. <laughs> I, I actually didn't think that contract was that bad at the time with the, with the way the cap was going up. I think he right. I mean, he was looking like a guy who was going to be a starting power forward for them for this time. I think and, 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 and I think the fact that the league changed so much from 2014 to now and that you just really can't get away with the, having a non shooting power forward like that. I think that that I understand. I didn't think that contract sucked at the time. It was a little more than I would have paid. But I understood it at the time. I I, I didn't think so. But but it was yeah. more, you know, they were coming up. They were in the middle of two eras for the Nuggets. There was the Kenneth Freed, Danilo Gallinari era. But then they were starting a rebuild in 2014. And then, as you mentioned, the salary cap spike. Everybody thought, oh, three years from now, this will be nothing. So there was that. There was, you know, the Wilson Chandler, which I think was also an overpay. Just if you're looking forward to, to now, I don't think they anticipated it being this bad. Uh, I, I thought that was another good one. Actually. I mean, every keep this in mind, Adam, like everyone was saying after, even after last summer, oh, he's going to opt out of that for sure. You know? (laughs) Right. Right. And I mean, and, and keep in mind that they, they extended him. They did get his services for these last couple of years. Granted, they didn't make the playoffs and he struggled with injuries. He had a really bad year last year. Um, but this, I mean, granted it was every team making these type of decisions, but no one anticipated that the 2018 market was just going to be this tight, that that crazy amount of money was going to get spent in the summer of 2016. I thought that that was a good decision at the time. I thought it was creative. I thought it was a market contract. Again, I mean, this is a guy who was looked at as a, I mean, at the time that that contract was signed, did you think of him as like a starting level of player? I've always thought of him as a six man type guy. Um, yeah, I think it's his better role because he's a he's a, a one on one scorer. I think that's like his most comfortable thing. But he's not good enough to be your your go to number one scorer. So off the bench, it makes sense. But um, and then you plug him into starting lineups, you go small, whatever. I think he's more of a, a small ball four now. But I guess that was less clear four, three years ago. That's how much the league has changed. Darrell Arthur, though, you know, same thing. The the twenty four million dollar deal or whatever they got, he hasn't. I mean, I don't know if he's played 2,000 minutes or 1,500 minutes since then. Um, and I get that he was – it was a rebuild, and he's as good of a locker room guy as you can have. Uh, and then Mason Plumley last year, who were they bidding yeah, against? And that's the he, one I totally agree with. That, that's the one that was ridiculous. Like, if he had just signed the qualifying offer, that would have just been great for them. But the only I mean, other if, deal that they offered was Will Barton's, which was a home run. I mean, they got him for, what, three years, like $12 million or something. I mean, it was, it was a, it's yeah. well below what he was worth. But you're looking at five deals that they have signed their own players back onto a contract, and four of them, in my opinion, it, well, whether it's my opinion or not, four of them have ended above market value and yeah. have been untradeable. And to me, that's a, that's that's concerning. I know you can go through most teams and do that because that's how free agency works. You overpay. But it's at least concerning for me as they enter in, as I think about what are they going to sign Will Barton to, I fear they're going to make him an offer right out the gate and then realize they didn't yeah. have to do that. No, I mean, they definitely overvalue their own players. I, I agree with that. I, I feel that way based on some conversations that I've had within the organization. And obviously the Plumley thing is the biggest example of that. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of organizations that do that. They've they've drafted extremely well. There's a lot of good things about this organization. I mean, the Plumley one is that's the one that's really killing them. That's that's the decision. I mean, even Darrell Arthur at the time, 
I was I was saying, hey, by this these new standards, yeah. like no one knew that Darrell Arthur was just gonna fall off the face of the planet. Like I he, think he had knee he surgery actually... like a week after signing the deal or something. It was it was yeah. like a really, really quick quick yeah. quick turnaround. But... And then he had like this mysterious illness last year. I mean he just but like if he had just continued on a normal aging curve from where he was, he would have been a valuable rotation player. For the team would have really been exactly what they needed as either you know a small ball four or five right. uh, off the bench who could provide more of a defensive option. I think his fit with Jokic would have been nice as three pointer was developing. Like I understand why that contract was signed. The Plumley one is the one that just made no sense. And you had to you know where the center market was. It was a restricted free agent. Him having absolutely zero leverage. Now maybe the thought was the only thing I can think of maybe is that when that trade was made they kind of had some informal discussions of the range that they were going to be in. And they just felt that they had to adhere to that. And yeah. everyone just did not anticipate, but uh, yeah, I mean, if Plumlee were on the open market this year, uh, <laughs> he'd, he'd be getting good 5 million a year, probably. Right. You know, so, yeah. and, and he just, he wasn't, and he plays, he should be playing 15 minutes a game on this team. They already have Nikola Jokic. So it's just, it really, I wonder it's how much really that throws sense. a wrench in Malone's plans is having a guy that's the second or third highest paid player on the roster. Do you feel like you have to play him more than 15? I don't know. But um, Well, oh, Malone, I'm sure, loves to play him. Though. Oh, he, absolutely he loves he's him. like a great defensive <laughs> replacement. Loves, uh, loves him so much. But I want to ask but, you this one before I let yeah. you go because this is, I think, one of the things I'm grappling with is do you look at this team differently now that they just added Michael Porter Jr.? Or is it still like – is he a theoretical addition to the team to yeah. be – yeah. So yeah, you view this team the exact same, and if he if he plays, then he becomes a a, a difference maker, or, or he changes the dynamic. Yeah, but that's you know we're talking two or three years from now too. Okay. Yeah, you know, it, it's really I I just don't this year he's not going to be a winning basketball player this year even if he can right. get on the court. Now he might just give you something more. He could be a trade asset as well to maybe to fill in to, some other stuff. I think actually it seems more likely to me that Arthur could be more susceptible to a trade. Than Farid, that they someone with seven point four million, yeah, and, and that could get them into the manageable tax range of you know five six million over the tax that they might actually be willing to pay because it seems like they've been planning for this. They had all these years right. previously um, w- where they were below the salary floor and saving all kinds of money, and then they'll be right back you know as a cap space team next year, so they won't be expensive next year. Um, this is why I thought, by the yeah. way, they would trade their second rounders for cash, maybe make you know four or five million, and then if you're you have yeah. a luxury tax bill that's slightly more than that, it's manageable. So, um, but yeah, like yeah. you said, they have sold things for cash in the past, including Mo Williams. If you remember the Mo Williams when he was traded like six oh, times yeah. in two days, so they made a little money there. Maybe that maybe that all kind of goes in the piggy bank for for this off season, but I don't know. Um, Nate, thanks so much. I'll, um, I appreciate it. It was a good, uh, a good chat. And I think this will be, do you expect this to be a wild free agency across the NBA? Well, there's only so much money available, so I, I don't know how wild you can say it'll be. And it seems like the Kawhi trade is not imminent yeah. uh, if it is going to happen. And now Paul George talking about staying in Oklahoma City. That's another huge <laughs> domino. And then if that happens, does LeBron just you know opt oh. in for one more year in Cleveland? Oh. That would be so boring. But I, I hope that doesn't happen. That would be boring on a lot of levels. I mean, I was really hoping all three of those guys would just end up with the Lakers. That would be fantastic. But At least uh, an interesting storyline, but yeah, for sure. Nate, thanks so much. Everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Going to be back all week with brand new episodes as there's a lot to discuss. We'll talk to you then.
Thanks for listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. 